Are you ready? Are you pumped for a brand new episode of your favorite podcast? Oh boy, I certainly hope so. Hey guys, it's me, your buddy, your pal, your host, Steve Bazalone, and this of course is a new episode of Terribly Funny, the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. And today, oh, we've got a great one. Uh, this this episode is very near and dear to my heart because it's a, a revisiting of one of my all-time favorite guests, and that man is my father, Larry Bazalone, Big Lar. Uh, what can I tell you about him? Well, outside of being my father and having made me and raised me and reared me, he is, uh, he's been an executive recruiter, a headhunter for as long as I've been alive. He is a man who likes to spin a yarn. He likes to tell a joke. He likes to be the center of attention. He is the absolute best kind of maniac. Uh, my mother once said about him that there is absolutely nothing subtle about Larry Bazalone. And I think that's uh, that sums it up pretty well. Uh, he's larger than life, but he's also a uh, 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 he's had his knocks. He's uh, been kicked around, and uh, we're going to talk about all that shit today. We're going to talk about all sorts of fun stuff, like what it's like to lose both parents, uh, one at a much younger age, one very recently. Also, what it's like to uh, go through trauma and what it's like to oof, uh, move into another phase of life and have a, a paradigm shift in uh, dynamic with your children or your parents. Uh, we're going to get to all sorts of good stuff, and he's going to you know, just give out some sage wisdom at the, at the end, so stick around for that. Because uh, I think you're going to fall in love with this man. He's great. He's wonderful. He's my dad. Um, so we're going to get to that in just a second. But before we do, hey, do you like this podcast? I really hope you do. If you do, go to our iTunes page. Subscribe. Go to our SoundCloud. Subscribe. It costs you nothing. Give us a rating. Give us a review on our iTunes page. Also, uh, check us out on the social media. It's terribly underscore funny. Uh, you can also check us out on Instagram. There's pictures of all my very attractive guests. There was one up of my dad right now. Check him out. What a dream. It's terribly funny podcast. And also, if you want to drop a line, say, hey, your dad, he's cool. You can do so at terriblyfunnypodcast at gmail. I'd love to hear from you. I always genuinely love to hear from you. And that part's done. Now let's get to the good thing. And the good thing, of course, is it's great to be young, alive, and good-looking with my father, Larry Bazalone. Let's get some theme music in here. Each other into the deep end, but there is only one of you. <laughs> Dunk, relax, man. You're fine. Everybody's fine. Be chill. We're up and we're running, buddy. Okay. You're uh, you're in my new home. Oh, beautiful, 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 beautiful. It is. I love it. Last love time it. you were here, there was one chair. And there's still <laughs> divots in the floor from you sitting on that one chair. And there's nothing in the house to be ruined, and yet somehow you found a way. I didn't know that. You're like dinosaurs, man. I, Life I, finds I, a I way. Work, I work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You worked really hard to destroy something when there's nothing around to do any damage to. But it's gorgeous. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your home. You appreciate my home? And uh, being here. Yeah, it's very nice. You always have the uh, the good fortune of coming to L.A. when there's either a, a cold spell or a ton of rain. <laughs> and every time, you've been out here, what, 12 times? Maybe, Maybe more? Yeah. Probably more? Yeah. And every time before you come out, you're like, so I should bring like, what, four or five pairs of shorts? I'm like, motherfucker, you're coming for three days. <laughs> this is not like a Tommy Bahamas award show where you're going to change up your outfit every three minutes. Well, you always, you overpack. You, uh, you act know. like you're like a, 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 like a blue blood on the Titanic. You bring 17 pairs of pants. You have a valet. You bring a cumberbund just in case. <laughs> Too much. Hey, when would you go somewhere and not have a cummerbund? I mean, I guess, I guess that's fair. 
I guess that's fair. You do sound like a, a party animal from the 80s. You know, Spuds <laughs> McKenzie kind of vibe. I'm sure, I'm sure John Cusack, that was a character trait in some movie. <laughs> uh, how is stuff, man? Good. Yeah. Good. Uh, we recently lost uh, Joey B., my dad and your grandpap. That is true. That was true about a month and a half ago. Yeah. Um, just shy. He was, what, just three weeks shy of 91? Yes. Yeah? Yes. And I... Um, I tell people, I said, you know what, if you had a contract in front of you at any time in your life and uh, it said you're going to smile most of your life and live to all be, almost to be 91, would you sign it? And that's Joey B. Yeah, that's a good deal. What's the downside? Was it an, exclu- no, is it an exclusive? No, there's no like, downside. first refusal? <laughs> no, I, you know, there was no downside. To that's it. a pretty simple contract. I don't yeah. think he's not going to sign that. Yeah. He was... Everybody loved Joey B, and Joey B loved everybody. He was a people person that, uh, he lived that uh, thing that Jimmy Valvano, that speech he did where you, you, um, every day you cry, every day you laugh, and every day you tell people you love them that you love, and he did that every day, so. It's a pretty good mantra for a living. He makes me cry, I mean. Yeah. He, um, And celebrities tried to keep up with him. He was—he uh, touched on so many people's lives that were a part of different decades. That uh, and he coached Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas who was one of the best quarterbacks, maybe the best that ever oh, played. Duncan, relax. Played football, and um, he put him on the bus. Or at least he always told the story that when the Steelers cut him, John called Joey B and said, "Hey, I got cut." But. Uh, the Colts want, want me to come down. Should I go? And my dad said, "Hell yes!" And it, I don't know if he had the six dollars and fifty cents or if Joey gave it to him, but he went down and played for the Colts and won championships. Yeah, he did okay. He did okay. He did okay. And he 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 ran with the National League umpires. I mean, he wasn't like the owner of the hotel. He was a bellhop. And uh-huh. uh, what hotel? The Pittsburgher Hotel. I didn't I didn't know he worked there. Yeah. When was this? This was like when he was in his twenties, thirties. Uh, up to sixty-one. Okay, so you were you were a kid. You're yeah. a little puff. Well, I, that's why I met a lot of the ball players, and I met Don Hoke and Clum mm-hmm. Labine and a bunch of Bob Friend who died just recently too. A um, bunch of the old the old pirate, yeah, great drugs. Yeah. And Don Hoke was a, you know, and he, he always had stories. Jo, uh, Joey B was a storyteller. And I'm a storyteller, and you finally figured out how to monetize storytelling. Yeah, <laughs> we well, did. We weren't smart enough. We Italians weren't smart enough. He gave to me two, two how not to uh, yeah. vibes. Yeah, I, I was able to learn from. Uh... <laughs> Took three generations to us yeah. to smarten up. Well, you know, some meatball number one and meatball number two. And I was like, okay, what can we do different here? And and um, he went. Don, Don Hoke was a friend of his, and he was, he was a pugilist. He was a Marine boxer, and he was third baseman for the 1960 World Champion Pirates. And he said Don was the nicest guy in the world, sweet, sweetheart of a guy, and still he was, until he was drinking. So he mm-hmm. said everybody would love them going into the bar, and they would fight their way out of the bar. So yeah, That's not the best quality. That's no, not what you're looking no, for. No, and then he went to Miami. and uh, Joey B. Yeah, Joey yeah. B. went to Miami, and Jackie Gleason came into his bar every day. And Jackie owned Miami, and mm-hmm. he said, if there's two people in the bar, I get their tabs. If there's 100 people in the bar, I get their tabs. And he said, I won't come in unless you do that for me. And Joey, Joey did it. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you can jam a lot of life into 91 years, and he certainly did. Oh, yeah. He... <laughs> you, uh, I mean, granted, I feel like you're at the, uh, the stage of life where it's not, it's not uncommon or unfounded, but, like, what is it now to be, like, at 67 to be, it's a weird, a weird uh, phrase, but to be a 67-year-old orphan, to, like, you know, you lost your mom when you were, what, 42, 41? I think 39. 39? Yeah. You lost your dad at 67? Right. Lost your mom way too too early, but you were still right. fully an adult. Yeah. Yeah. What right. is, is that? Does that change your perspective at all? And now, I mean, because that's, that's the natural order of things. That's bound, that's to be expected. And if you, yeah. I feel like if you get to 67 and you still got a parent, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. And, and, it wasn't just apparent, though. I mean, my mom put in the values and the ethics and the mm-hmm. character and all that in us. But Joey was the people part. He, he was the one to. And uh, even though he wasn't a billionaire, um, you know, he he attracted. I don't, people. Even, I don't know if Joey was a thousand. <laughs> no, true. But he lived true. like he was. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And you know what? And I, you know, I don't know about you in your life. Sometimes I I give to people. And I don't necessarily always get it back. Sure. Joey always got it back. Yeah. Always. I mean, he would. He didn't have any money, but he put people up at re- hotels because he knew people or restaurants. Mm-hmm. You know, and he always got it back. They always treated him uh, in kind. So, you know. <laughs> the, he went into the limo business. Mm-hmm. This is when he was in Florida. Yeah, went in Florida after he was in the bar business. Mm-hmm. And he didn't own the bars. He just ran them. And he went into the limo business. and uh, He went to serve, from serving the drunks to driving the drunks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he always told the story that, uh, you know, every time anybody that Liz Taylor was in town mm-hmm. or Dolly Parton were, was in town, they asked for Joey B. Yeah, and when he first started on that gig, he ended up getting the shitty gigs, even though the mm-hmm. boss knew him well. He called him in and he said, "He said, Joe, he said I got a gig for you." And he said, "What is it?" He said, "The um, there's a young kid, 19, 20 year old kid coming into town, and he uh, he wants to have somebody drive him around the music, the radio stations." Mm-hmm. And um, he said, oh, "That doesn't sound like that bad of a gig." So he picked the kid up at the airport. Took him to Q, WQAM and WABC or whatever stations, and they went to lunch, and he took him to three or four more and went to the airport. And um, the kid, when he dropped the kid off, he said, Joey B., it was great. I loved meeting you, and thank you very much for your help. And he said, that's quite all right, Mr. Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. So he, <laughs> he met people without trying. Yeah. So fun stuff. Yeah, but um, uh, Mom, Rosie, you know, it was... Uh, Losing Rosie was, uh, was I think, tougher because she was young. Rosie's your mother. Yes, Rosie, yeah. yeah. Um, and we knew Joey had some time in him back when he was 80 or whatever, but we didn't know if he'd lived to be 100. Yeah. Um, but he had a lot of how old, some health how old issues. Was, uh, Rosie, when she died, she was 62? 62. So she's five years younger than I am now. Yeah. You know what's crazy about that? To me, at least, is that, you know, she died when I was, what, nine? Yes. She died when I was nine and... In 90. Yeah. When I first opened our business. Yeah. And, but I, even at nine years old, I remember when I was like, she was, my whole life, she always had health issues. Yeah. She was always yeah. just like in and out of, you know, and she was at 62 and in a, in a nursing home. 
Yeah. You know, that's right. not, that's not the yes. norm. She always no. had problems. And no. it's, it's interesting. It's so crazy to me to think that like mom, my mom died at 60, uh, uh, 63. Three. Yeah. At 63, which is... He never had any health problems. Never had any health problems. So it was just like such a weird comparison because Rosie was... I mean, she was an amazing woman, you know, my memory of at nine years old, but she... At 62, she looked and felt like she was yes. 78. Yes. Because yes. she's always had health problems. So it, like to see like those two women both dying way too early, Rosie felt like, even though it was much too early, I felt right. like, well, yeah, because she's always had all these problems. Well, when I was a senior in high school, Rosie, my, my mother, your grandma, was in the hospital 12 times. Jesus. And for her to have lived from the time I was 17 to 39, mm-hmm. That was pretty amazing, actually. Yeah. No, he, she was kept alive by prednisone, mm-hmm. cortisone to begin with, and then prednisone. But that's what killed her. But um, she, we never thought she would live to be 62. Yeah. And um, she did. And, you know, she came back, boom, after that, in, in, the, in the hospital 12 times in my senior year of high school. Man, she was fine for a good long time. She was always shopping. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, what was that like? Because, I mean, you know, uh, I remember, I can't remember who said this. Somebody said a eulogy. It may, oh, you know, it, was, it wasn't even a eulogy. It was uh, uh, um, Stephen Colbert, when his mother died, said like a very nice thing back when he's on the, this was years ago, when he's on the Colbert Report. And it just stuck with me because his mother was like 98 or something. Mm-hmm. And when she died, he just said this thing. It's like, it, 98 is a good long life, but it doesn't, no matter what the age, the sting of loss is still the same. Right. So, I mean, what is your perspective on that when you're like a senior in high school, you're 17, 18 years old, years old and looking at down the barrel at that versus being 39 and actually coming to fruition versus being 30 years later at 67? Is it like, was it any, was it marketedly easier when you're 30 years older because you had more of the tools or because it felt more like, it, well, this is the way it's supposed to be? Well, I think it was easier with Joey because of the fact that he had a long life. Yeah. Now, what is a long life? I don't know. I mean, um, some people <laughs> live to be 62 and they put a lot into mm-hmm. it. And Rosie put a lot of love into it. Um, but it was harder. You know, I, I, uh, th- a similar thing happened when Joey died and when Rosie died. When, when, when my mom, Rosie, died... I remember being at the funeral home and Joey and Gary, my brother and mm-hmm. I were talking about something and we didn't know the answer. And um, I said, well, let's go ask Rosie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it was like, wait a minute, we're just in front of the casket. And um, when Joey died, <clears throat> it was all so moved so fast because, you know, when you were coming in and it was sadly on your mom's the anniversary of her death four years before, um, Joey died on December 19th, and he was so he wanted so much to be at the Basilone, the Italian Christmas party, which mm-hmm. was on the 22nd. And he died on the 19th, and we had a day in between, and we did uh, the funeral on the 21st, and then we shot, did shots and uh, drinks for Joey B for Christmas, but he didn't make it to that. But we went through all that, and I got up Christmas morning, and... Uh, I was going to call him for Christmas. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it was easier for Joey, but um, 
like just because of the length of time that I had with him. And yeah, yeah. And I, I find those things are the uh, this kind of <clears throat> phantom limbs of sorts are the things that um, are the hardest that sneak up on you. Because like there's still like twice a week. It's been four years now, but there's still like yeah. once or twice a week when I will be in my car, because that's when you call everybody, yeah. uh, you know, especially right. here in LA right. and you spend so much time in your car, uh, that's when there'll be once or twice a week where I will instinctually go to mm-hmm. call her. And you know, I have a list on my phone yep. of like the yep. most, re- or yep. you know, the uh, favorites, right. easy calls or whatever. Yeah. And it was only just recently that I moved her out of like the number one spot, because she was always the easiest yeah. call. Right. You know, she was yeah. a, a gabber. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's that's the thing that uh, you know. Four years later, and it still feels like this uh, this this shadow that you know yes. still like this uh, yes. this uh, a knee jerk reaction that doesn't really go away. Yep. Yeah. And I, I feel like you know when you said about the um, being at Rosie's funeral and you couldn't remember something. I think that was the first time I remember being in the hospital and was with uh, my aunt. Um, Lynn, who was very close to my mom, right, and we were trying to remember something about like the first apartment she lived in, and I couldn't remember, and she couldn't remember, and there was just this moment of like, well, fuck, if I don't know and she doesn't know, that's just information that's gone. Yeah, right. And how important right. is that? Yeah, not really. No, but it still feels like those are like the little things that fall away. You know, it's like, I guess that's the the old adage, just like it doesn't matter. Uh, what you said to people or what you did for people, what they'll remember is the way you made them feel. Right. And that's, I think that's, I think that's invariably true, but I do think like when you just lose those little bits of, uh, information, it feels like, Oh, that's, that's like the beginning of like someone starting to slip away in some capacity. And that's like a little heartbreaking. Yeah. Yes. But I, you know, I, same thing. I, I think about Joey when I'm in my car and calling cause he was number you know, a button that I just mm-hmm. didn't push and I would call him. And I, I talked to him a lot on the phone when I was in my car. Yeah. And he didn't talk a lot on the phone, but it was like... I well, especially the last, like, two years. Yeah. He's like, I mean, just rushing to get out yeah. the phone. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, recently um, I had uh, seen, like, the last 25 Super Bowls with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're always down there for I was Florida. always down there, yeah, because yeah, I had a timeshare down there. So I, I... And it just seemed weird not watching... Uh, the, the Super Bowl with him. Yeah. I, I always tell people that we, I would go down and drink vodka and Metamucil <laughs> with, the, with the 80 year yeah. olds. <laughs> so, but well, yeah. You, you got to stay regular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I yeah, Rosie, I guess also that in, 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 in both cases, we knew. Joey was at almost 91. We knew he wasn't going to last another 30 years. Yeah. Um, and my mom had been he- ill for so long. But I, uh, I was very uh, sad because I hadn't seen her for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And when they called, um, she went downhill really quick. She was walking around. And then she was had a walker the next week. And the next week she was in a wheelchair. And then she didn't want to, you know, she kind of gave up. Yeah. She didn't want to live any longer. Yeah. But when they called me, they had called me a week or two before and said that she fell out of her um, the bed or fell out of a wheelchair or something. And I thought they were calling me to um, say something like that. Mm-hmm. And they said, your mother died last night or mm-hmm. this morning. And I was like, what? 
So, even though we knew Rosie was um, not healthy for a long time, and I knew that she was giving up, it still was a stunner, you know. But well, I think I think uh, my you know limited experience with all of these things and uh, well, you have not too that, much of it already. I guess it's not limited. I'm always amazed that like because you know you have a big extended family, only one brother, but you have a huge extended family, yes. and yeah. you know mom was one of nine, so there's like a ton of kids and aunts and uncles and I'm always amazed when I meet like peers and they've been to like one or two funerals I'm like motherfucker I've given three eulogies I've been a pallbearer like 10 times how have you been to two funerals I, I've done about 12 eulogies I know I know it's uh it's a weird grandpa, thing grandma dad mom it, it's an honor to do that and I you know I felt really good about doing that and um and I just did my Aunt Marge, Joey's sister, mm-hmm. and I didn't know that I was the only one that was going to talk. And it was, yeah. and I was ready. I, I'm always ready, and I was honored to do that. But that's, yeah. I, and and <laughs> Leslie, my wife, always says, you know, you guys, and I don't know if it's the Basilones or just because you're Italian, when you go to a funeral home, you go there and you stay until the last person. You know, yeah. It's not like you go and say a prayer. You go and stay. So, it is. I mean, I've often said, like, the uh, um, Italians and Jews, it's like both communicate with food and guilt. <laughs> it's very similar. <laughs> and, like, also, similarly, like, we don't sit shiva, but that's kind of what it feels like. You just yeah. go and you sit yeah. and you stay there right. for, yes. the, you yes. know, if there's two days of awake and there's a funeral, it's like three days of just being there. Right. Um, and I think there's something like that is very exhausting about that, but also like somewhat kind of uh, healing and cathartic because it's like yes, you yes. Be, kind of become yes. a little bit numb to it and normalizes it. And also by the time it's over, you're like, fuck, I'm ready to be done with this shit. Yeah. As opposed to like feeling right. like I wish there right. was more. Right. Uh, feels like it gives you time, even if it's just like annoyed, just like I want to get out of this. This the funeral home sucks. Let's get yeah. the fuck out of here. And we go to the same one, the Italians up in Mount Washington, sure. part of Pittsburgh. We go to the same one all the time. I mean, I won't. I mean, I don't think I will That's unless you will or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, but anyhow, um, he, when Ian Mars died. You're, this is your Aunt Joey's yes, sister. Yes, Joey's sister, who was 88. Mm-hmm. Beautiful lady. And uh, she, she could, if you told her your phone number or the numbers you play for the lottery or whatever mm-hmm. in 1950, she knew in 2018 that that number. She mm-hmm. remembered that, but um, when she died, I um, I worked in the morning, and then I I got there at lunchtime and I took everybody to lunch, but I felt guilty that I wasn't there at 10 o'clock or whatever yeah. time it opened, even though there were two days and I was there the rest of the time. Yeah. You know? Well, that's again the thing yeah. of like right. the food guilt. And guilt. <laughs> yeah, it's so but riddled I, with guilt. I with felt her. like, and and even though some other relatives weren't there at all, yeah. I still felt that way. So you know. Um, well, I mean, I think the older I get, I feel like that is both a admirable quality and one of diminishing returns. I feel like I constantly feel guilt over things and want to fix things, and that's a good quality to some degree, but sometimes it's also like, yeah, let go, man. You're beating yourself up. And I know you're an incredibly anxious person, and I see the older I get, the more I am more anxious. You know, <laughs> We were both on the way to breakfast this morning talking about like waking up early and just not getting to be able to go back to sleep. Yeah, um, right. Here's a question for you that I was actually uh, yesterday um, emailing with um, uh, Mrs. C. 
Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. She sent me an email because she was uh, in the pro- she was uh, she just recently retired and she's painting oh, did her she? house. Yeah. Okay. And she's she's the, the the act one. She's the teacher of yes. Steve taught Steve, Steve when he was 11, 12, 13 through eighteen, right? Through seventeen. 17. I don't think I did my senior year, but yeah. yeah. She was the she started this like community uh, theater school for kids in Act it, One. Yeah, Act One, and it was middle school, elementary school, and then you know to a smaller degree high school, and it was like that's you know, why you are in Hollywood right now. Yeah, I it was mean, very it was yeah. very formative in my life, and she's like a wonderful woman, and that's what I was just kind of saying to her yesterday via email, just about like, you know the. Uh, the the waves that you started just like you know caused a ripple out for hundreds of kids lives right. and you know to varying degrees i think some it shaped and kind of quite literally changed the trajectory trajectory of their lives yes. in the case of me yes. and other people just right. like gave them a sense of community or made them a lot of lifelong right. friends right but anyways right. she was saying lamenting over retirement um a thing that i've always said and i th- I, I wonder what your perspective is on this because i know in the last couple of years, it's felt like, um, you know, you uh, you go from being a kid where, you know, I am 100% your kid and you're taking care of everything <laughs> and you're making sure I don't stick my finger in sockets and shit like that. <laughs> and then you go to a, get to a certain age and then you're a peer and you're friends, right? Yeah. And then you get to another age and it almost feels like it reverses. Oh, sure. Where it, oh, like, yeah, then, no you, then you become like, you become almost the parent. <clears throat> Yeah, you know, and I, I, that's been, which is, you know, not taking any autonomy or anything from you, but like it just comes to another position. Like I remember, you know, when we were kids, anytime we go out, Joey would be picked up the check when I was like young, young. Yeah. And then you know, once I was like ten, anytime we go out, you pick up the check. Yeah. And there's right. this imperceptible shift, and now it's yeah. like now most times, not all the time, but most times we go out, I pick up the check, and it's something I love to do. Yeah. And it feels like. It feels like a rite of passage. You beat me to it a lot. Well, yeah, of course. That's part of the fun. But I, but I do feel like, I mean, you must have felt that way with Joey, right? Where you get to yes. a certain point and you feel like, well, I'm the parent to him now. So what does that feel like to be, A, to well, be like the parent to kind of your parent and then also see like our relationship shift? Actually, I probably let Joey pick up the tab longer than I wanted to. For sure. Um, partly because when he and mom broke up, I think there was some guilt there still. Of course, that, and, and that he, was like anything. He, he always to wanted to t- pick up the check, mm-hmm. you know. Um, not, I didn't mean just mean financially. I just mean like from like no, a support, no, no, I, no. But I mean, no. But it was the guilt part. Yeah, sure. And then I finally said, "Hey, I got to. yeah, okay. <laughs> like I did it early, but I yeah. didn't do it as early as I would have." Yeah. yeah. But uh, so so the change in um, this is the change in dynamic. Well, the the, the, the we have God blessed us because um, Joey was he coached me in baseball and even though there was some times where he was apart and we didn't see him and whatever when he moved to Miami Mm -hmm. um, he was always kind of like a pal of mine and you're my best pal you know Mm -hmm. so um, so it has changed and um, you know even though uh that the the paradigm of uh, picking up checks, some of the stuff never changes. It's like, um, you know, Mr. Safety. And mm-hmm. <laughs> yesterday was <laughs> making sure that you didn't walk out in front of a car. So I don't know. Yeah. And, 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 and it was annoying to you, but, <laughs> but I'm your dad. You've always done it. Yeah, it was like, I'm a yeah. motherfucker. Like, oh, I've been here. I've been on my own for 22 years. 
<laughs> I, can, I can handle a street crossing. <laughs> well, I don't remember what it was. But yeah, yeah, no. But no, I mean, but that's also like just the dynamic of like to anybody else that would be annoying. But just because you're my dad, I'm like, all right, all right. Um, no, but I think just even like not even I think that those 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 elements never go away. But right. the you know, like, you know, just in the way that you would serve as like guidance for Joey the last 20 years, you know, sure. like in terms of like getting his condo in Florida right. sure. or like giving advice for anything right. or like, yeah. Yeah. you know, there was just a, a shift where it felt like you were more, the, you were the caretaker yeah. and not even, right. not even like he was still, he was spry and sharp yeah, yeah. and he lived still on his sharp own. mentally it, it, to the end. Yeah. But there was still like, there was a, you know, use your words, there was a paradigm shift of of going from like, oh, now we're, we're peers to like, okay, now I just need to make sure that you're okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I, I, you know, with Joey, uh, I don't know if, um, I guess it's different levels of preparedness or readiness Mm or, um, and Joey at times ran his own business too. Yeah. But I, uh, I guess, you know, I was running the dry cleaners at 12, 13 years old. <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, so I guess one of my best assets and one of my worst is uh, responsibility. I take responsibility all the time mm-hmm. for everything. And uh, that's good. But, um, you know, with Joey, I did that a lot. Yeah, which I think is great. I think... Um you know, this is the second time you kind of touched on it because you said, you know, when you were, your mom was in the hospital so much when you were a senior and you had to look after your brother and also you were working from the time you were 10 years old on right. for, you know, a lot of times just out of necessity. Right. Yes. And I think that's like incredibly admirable and I think it really made you, uh, you know, tenacious and a go-getter and imbued you with a sense of uh, charisma and perhaps unearned confidence, but still. <laughs> Um, but I do think, but you know, you talking about responsibility, I think, um, if you talk about the, the upside and the downside, I'd say another, another, uh, way to frame that using different, just different words semantically is, uh, strength. Cause I feel like you feel like, I think because you were always in the position of responsibility, you always had to like, feel like you had to be strong. Yeah. And I've seen in the course of my life, how that has been such an, an asset to you. Yeah. And then such, uh, at times also, um, a negative just because it, there's feels like there's not a, a no, like it's hard for you to uh, show weakness and show vulnerability. I think that's a lot about generationally, yeah. especially men who were raised in the fifties. And that was just a different <laughs> thing. But like, there's, I feel like as the older I've seen you get, uh, it is nice to see that like, there is like a little bit more of a softening to some degree. Because I think there's some things, you know, just like even that you being like emotionally vulnerable here yeah. is something I don't know what you would have done 20 years ago or in the same capacity. So I think that's kind of a nice thing to see, like that there's a little bit uh, of a willingness to be like, I don't always need to be super strong. It's okay to be yeah. sometimes vulnerable and acknowledge that. Although I, I cried during commercials. Oh, <laughs> Leslie yeah. Not no, you've, always, you've always been. <laughs> I've always been a wuss bag. Yeah. No, that's not a thing. Yeah. Right. But I, I remember yes. there was a time where, um, and that, it stuck with me probably because, 
because it felt like a thing that you didn't do often. We were, we were driving around like in Westview, in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. Right. And I was Where probably we like 12. For a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was probably like 12. Yeah. And you asked me if I was, because I was kind of thinking nap jerking in the car. And what? I was like nap jerking, oh. like kind of nodding off a little bit. And you, okay. and you asked me if I was tired. And I was like, yeah, I am. And you just said, you know, that takes, uh, that's a hard thing to say. That's a hard thing to admit. And I was like, is it? Is it that hard? But I thought it was just very telling of like, you not, you know, like that's a projection of like, uh, it's hard for me to admit that I, right. that I am tired or that I feel, uh, I think because you're always in the position of, of responsibility or power in, in, in your family right. and being, you know, a patriarch, even if you weren't right. actually a father or, at, you know, having your own company. Um, difficult to acknowledge you don't want to acknowledge uh, weakness or uh, negativity or pessimism even if you feel those things i feel like you try to will yourself into like always being optimistic and i think that (laughs) is great but also like sometimes hard and sometimes it's okay to feel like fuck i this day sucks (laughs) i feel shitty i wish i wasn't in this position right i think yeah i mean i think that's one of your most admirable qualities is just like being a a bit of a cockeyed optimist right but then sometimes I can see how that just like also kills you because I need to, I just need to fucking be mad and sad for a minute. Yeah. Yes. But I guess that's that, that responsibility or what, what, what term were you using? I was just, using, I guess, uh, a strength and, um, yeah. <laughs> because, um, I, I, I always figured that I'm stronger than most people that are mm-hmm. in a, a situation, whatever the situation is. And I, I very rarely take a back seat. You know, I'm always taking the leadership role, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, uh, playing a game. <laughs> yeah. whether, whether it's wanted or not. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and, you know, when I had the business issues with, with mm-hmm. um, my ex-partner screwing me, um I could have just bolted the tent and and it's probably co- it's cost me a lot more money over the years but it was the right thing to do and what I was taught in my business was you do the right thing the same way the right thing the same way when you're doing deals and when you're dealing with people and if you do that all the time it'll work for you yeah and I I guess it's, it is hard for me to show weakness, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my mom and dad split up and I was 12, 13, 14, whatever I was, and I was the man of the house, I didn't have any time for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No, I mean... <laughs> no, when she was sick 12 yeah. times at 18 or 17, I didn't have time for that shit for weakness. I couldn't even think about it. So, well, yeah, I mean, all those things of, of, you know, trying to look inward and being introspective and navel-gazing and even just, you know, having the time and the wherewithal to feel <coughs> sad is, like, by and large, a luxury. Yeah. It's all, like, Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of need. If we didn't have a house and clothing... We wouldn't be worried about like, am I being, is, am I being vulnerable enough? Like, but right. now that we sure. get to, a, sure. I mean, so that is a luxury to acknowledge, right. to look inwards, but that's, yeah. you know, that's the whole idea of society and culture is you get to a certain point, you know, the Grecians, all the greatest philosophers is because they were so much higher culturally. Yeah. Like right. they had, yes. they had yeah. uh, plumbing. Yeah. So then they could be like, yeah. uh, 
what is life? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they didn't have time. They had time to think about yes. this shit that other people they had. were trying to feed themselves. Yes, exactly. Didn't have to exactly. worry about So this is all like a luxury, uh, clearly. But um, yeah, I, I think, is that, a, is that a point of pride for you? Just the fact, like you said, like, I feel like I'm, I'm more well equipped. I have I have the strength to take this on in a way yes. that uh, yes. other that other people can't. And maybe I don't even know if that's necessarily true because I think most people have the capacity to uh, um, take on many things. It's just right. whether or not they have. It's just whether or not they they know that they have that ability because they haven't had to. But I think most people are pretty. If they're thrown into something, most people usually you figure it out if you have to. Right. It just right. it's just like oh no, I don't know if I can do that because you haven't. The same right. thing like if you haven't started a business, I'd be like I don't know if I can start a fucking business. Yeah. But you know that you can because you have. Yeah. It's the yeah. same way like I don't know if I can uh, be a shoulder and a support system for this whole family, but you know that you can because you have. Yeah. Right. I think there's like strength that comes in that. Like I feel like I remember when I was like uh, at my like sickest I was like there's often times I was like point for like I am the strongest motherfucker alive even though I weighed like 90 pounds yeah <laughs> they're just like I'm getting and, through and this you shit you were yeah I mean yeah. to some degree god bless you you know what I mean but I mean but I think um god damn it I just lost any semblance of question in here I'm just rambling but um is that a point Wait. of pride for you oh yeah there's no doubt I mean I would think ah maybe I think um and a part of that optimism, whether it's <laughs> whether it's uh, uh, whether it's proof behind it or not, at times, mm-hmm. um, I would think that that when people say, "Who do we go for for this?" I would think it would you, be me. You'd like in to be a, a lot a of name cases, on the, a name or a short list at least. Right, like with a Debbie coming to me mm-hmm. and saying, "Would you do?" mom's eulogy and yeah. I said okay and I thought there were like eight or ten people talking and I kept saying well who when are we when are we doing this at the and then they called me up and I was like oh okay it's just and I was me. the only one yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I mean but people relied on it yeah. it's, oh, it's great yeah. I mean I love it you know yeah but um and uh I don't look at I guess I don't look at other people as being weak necessarily because they let me Take the reins. Yeah, I think that's I think that's an interesting thing you just said, because that's a thing that I feel like the older that I've gotten, um, the more I've I think I've been encouraging of you to like it's like what you just said like that's not weakness letting somebody else yeah right. guide or letting somebody else that just like yeah. hey this is something that they're good at and that's right it's right. And just acknowledging what everybody's strengths are yeah. and also acknowledging. Right what your own capabilities are because sometimes most times that can be you but sometimes yeah. it can't sometimes like you know I, I am similar to you I think in many ways yeah. Oh, yeah. and that you know I have uh, anything on my mother's side of the family I always did the eulogy because yeah. A because right. it's like if there's one writer in the family it's like yeah he'll do it Yeah, he's good right. with the words yeah. <laughs> let him go and fucking stay up all night writing a thing yeah right um, <laughs> but I, and you're probably like me but maybe not as bad as me I'm anal retentive in that I, when I did Joey's and I did Mag and mm-hmm. Marge's and whatever, every time I do it, I write it down, then I throw out like 20% of it, and then I rewrite it, 
and then I do it like 10 times verbally aloud to myself. And that's <laughs> not well, everybody yeah. would do that. Well, that's, see, I, yeah. I do that for like, you know, pitches and work and shit. Yeah. But for like, when I do eulogies, I just write it all down and I just read it because yeah. I yeah. just know it's going to be yeah. difficult enough yeah. and there's nuance that I want to get. Yeah. And anyways. Um, but I, I guess that's uh, the point just being that like there was times when uh, it's okay to be carried or to acknowledge that yes. like I, I don't have the the strength right now to do this or yeah. to acknowledge. Right. I, I guess that's always been my point of just like I think there there's, there's, there is a strength that comes in recognizing your own vulnerabilities. Yes. Because not acknowledging them is... Uh, actually a weakness yeah. right like right. if, if you're yes. if you're looking yes. at it, like from a sports yes. perspective if you're like no our offensive line's great yeah. and then be like no it's not <laughs> okay well you're gonna lose this game because you think your offensive line is great right or yes. you think like yeah no we'll that corner will cover whatever the fuck yeah. if you if you just have this like kind yes. of blind optimism to yeah. it right you're invariably doing a disservice to yourself yes but that doesn't make it any easier sure. <laughs> yeah because you're an you old know. dog and new tricks right. and exactly and you know, and um, as our as we get older, our, we have more foibles and frailties, possibly. So, um, you know, this vocal cord thing I have, mm-hmm. it, it just pisses me off because my whole life I played baseball, football, basketball, and I ran. Even though I wasn't a marathon man, I could sprint with the best of them, you know, at times mm-hmm. and whatever. And being a running back and a wide receiver and a second baseman and short, whatever. But that pisses me off, but I have to, and I'm working on, you know, getting in better shape that they won't bother me as much. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I'm hoping I can knock it out. My optimism says I can knock it out and it'll just disappear. But I yeah. don't know if that's true or not. And um, in, in admit, admitting weaknesses, as you get older, it's uh, maybe on one side it's easier, but on the other side it's not because then you're saying I'm getting older and I'm, you know. Well, I think I think that's I think that's a big thing about this vocal cord thing you you brought up that like it is another one of those things where like we went to the the gym yesterday and as soon as we went in like my trainer I was like I get, he's gonna just uh, make a bunch of excuses and then uh, walk on a treadmill. <laughs> And, you know, you both laughed about that. And you made like, well, I got this vocal cord thing. You, like, launched yeah, into it. Right. Like, I know all your fucking tricks. Yeah. I know your stories. And I think <laughs> I think a lot of that is, like, it's obviously a real thing. Uh, but it's also, I guess, um, recognizing weakness and accepting a weakness are two separate things. Like, I think you recognize it, but you're not accepting it. Because I think some of it, I think, is... And this is just me, and this yeah. is just I'm talking, uh, theorizing bullshit right now. Yeah. But like, I think a lot of it is just like a pinpoint on like, this is the area that I can focus on. But really, so much of it is just like getting older, and like some of the stuff I just can't do like I used to be able to do. Yeah. And also, there's like I think there's an idea like this is because we again we're uh, I think wired very similarly. Like I want to fix this, mm-hmm. and the notion right. of wanting to fix this causes this kind of like internal monologue that spins and spins and spins and causes more anxiety and then that's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because when you're worried about something you're just exacerbating it sure so i mean i don't know i mean that's just a one pinpoint but i feel like that must be in you know in my own life and 
I am fortunate enough to be uh, healthy at the moment and in decent shape and still physically capable. But like I still recognize like, fuck, I can't do that thing I could do five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's like, you know, going to see, uh, uh, I went to the Clippers Hawks game two weeks ago and Vince Carter went in, 41 years old, <laughs> played for three minutes. And Vince Carter is like, you know, maybe arguably the best dunker in game or yeah. ever. Uh, and he's playing 41. He's 41 years old still playing because he changed his game. Now he's a perimeter shooter. Yeah. We're talking a lot about sports in this. Who knew? Yeah. But um, but I think that's like indicative of like, that's what you have to do. You have to like change shit up as you get older. Right. And acknowledge like, fuck, I can't. These young bucks, they can do all the shit that I used to be able to oh, do so much yeah. better than right. them. And that, that's hard to admit, right? Well, yes. And, you know, like in softball, mm -hmm. I was playing... Uh, uh, we were playing against the 40-year-olds, and um, I played in that league until I was like 57. Mm -hmm. So I was playing. Sure. And then, so I, I try to still still maintain that. Not every guys were better than me because they were 40 years mm -hmm. old. But I, in that league, you can run with you can you know. And then I moved up to the 50-year-old league. Mm -hmm. So. You run with the, the age group you're in, and it makes you feel better. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, that all goes back to the, like, I guess the initial question of um, paradigm shift of um, recognizing, to some degree, uh, passage of time and your mortality. Yes. yes. Um, but also, like, seeing, you know, what is the, was it Samuel Beckett? I don't know who somebody said, like, you, you we come in. Uh, we crawl and then we walk and then we, you know, invariably crawl again, with, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and I think that's gotta be, I, I, in my life, I've seen that that's difficult, but I imagine it's even a more fine point on this when you have a father who's almost 91 who dies yeah. and, uh, you are now looking at hoping to like, you know, get to a place where, you know, retire securely. And those were like different things that you've right. ever had. Does that new? That's a new set of circumstances you've yeah. never had to think of before. And it was one that I had solved. Yeah, I had it all solved, and now this, you know. Yeah, but I mean, see, even thing. even what that is, I think, and, and like, it's such a wonderful thing. The idea, like, fuck it, I've worked hard, I'm taking time, yeah. enjoying my life, yeah, and also like still working if I want to, but just like what that is, uh, what that, uh, um, what that means, what retirement really means. It's like, oh, this is, this we're going towards the last uh, last couple chapters. Yeah, right. And that's we're on the 18th. We're that's a the, weird thing, we're right? The 16th green or whatever. Yeah. Even just yesterday, we were talking about you were talking about your car that you really like your car, and you'll probably in you when this car's right. done, you'll yeah. probably get the same car again, and you're yeah. like, that'll oh, probably be my last car. Yeah. And it's like that's a fucking weird thing to say, right? <laughs> yeah. Even if you make light of it, it's like, oh no. Well. Yes. I mean, is. look, my car I have now could be my last car. Like, we never know when, right. probably sure. not, but that's sure. still like a weird thing. Like, well, realistically. Well, I've had that car since 2011, and, and it's getting to 100,000 miles, mm -hmm. and they say it'll go more than 200. Sure. So, if it does that, then I'm talking about another 10 years, years least, nine yeah. years, whatever, and then I buy another car. And if that lasts 20 years, it's going to outlast me. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever, because I'll be, well, I don't know who if I'll be riding less or not, because I might be driving all the time. Yep. Who knows? And the good thing, I think, is that I still am driven at work, and I still have fun doing what I'm doing, and I, 
I normally I would have said, oh, I'll be able to play more basketball, more mm-hmm. softball, and that because these older guys that there's a league up for mine sure. it was seventy and up or whatever, you know, and but I probably won't do that now. Mm-hmm. So I get, am I going to golf? Even if I start golfing, and you know, it's late late in life to golf. I mean, I golf some, but. Am I going to golf five freaking days a week? I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't Even think I like, want to do that. That don't feel like a job. Yeah. 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 And so what am I going to do? <laughs> you know, and I'm, I have a lot of interest. I'm interested in everything. Sure. Which will drive me. But I, I can't imagine that even when I'm not headhunting as much or whatever, I'll do something with real estate or do, you know, have fun yeah. doing something that will drive me. And it well, probably like, would you like, business like you like yeah. structure and yeah. you like um, yeah. you like working right. with people and I think yeah. you know I think a thing that um, I've been reminded of a lot in the last year or so is uh, that uh, life can get very quiet and you have a partner and you have a, you know a wife yeah. and you have you know family around yeah. you but it's just like you know. There's you're you know so many people yeah and I know a fuck ton of people yeah um, right but everybody's got their own shit going on yeah and unless you like make make a concerted effort like yes. life can get really small and really quiet yeah right um, so it's like well I think that's a thing that like you know clearly an extroverted person you definitely get energy off of people as opposed right. to yes. the inverse so yes. yes I think you know that's a a weird thing to be like well I want to continue to have this this uh, uh, outlet. I want to still have these, the thing that gives, that gives me yes, juice that, right. you know, makes me want to get up in the morning. Yeah. But what does, that, yeah, what does that look like? Pride, and doing pride this to me is a big deal. I mean, you, you know, sure. we were, oh, I know maybe too big yeah. sometimes. Um, Forbes media said we were one of the best headhunting firms, mm-hmm. recruiting firms in the country. Now that is a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. I, I think, even though <laughs> I didn't treat it like that. I don't know if I should tell that story, but that's fine. Uh, um, but, um, so pride drives the hell out of me, even though when I was a little kid, I think I, you know, that, that was part of me mm-hmm. and maybe before everybody else, maybe before other kids pride's had, in, yeah, pride's imbued from you from a very young age though. Yeah. I mean, that's what you said yesterday to, uh, one of the trainers at the gym, he's got like a young kid, it's three and a half and you're saying, lamenting like five or six. You get to five or six, and you can kind of coast because, like, at that point, like, a lot of the ethics, ethics. and uh, morals, uh, morals and are, values are, they're programmed yeah. in. Yeah, they're a little, you know, they might be like the clay might be a little bit wet, but really they're they're in there. You can yeah. kind of shift them a little bit, but you get to five right. and six, and then it's kind of you know, right? You're a little bit on autopilot. So I think like you know, pride was that's in there early on, man. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there's a there is a I guess a point where it's haughty, overly proud at times. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that's a disservice. It's yeah. hard to recognize that sometimes, yeah. right? Right, right. That's where stubbornness comes from, and, right? You know, is, are you cocky or if you can do what you say you can do, is that cockiness? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my line and everybody says, I say it 30 times a day, it's great to be young, alive, and good looking. Mm-hmm. Well, when I started saying that, I was young. <laughs> Yeah, I was, now, I was now, 30 years old. Now you're only hitting one of three. Well, <laughs> but my wife tells me how good looking I am every sure, day. Sure. And youth is not, and I, you know, and mm-hmm. youth is not 
chronology, it is the fire in the belly, which I still have. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's self-perception, right? So, I, I am, no one ever did, ever said I wasn't alive because I'm too much of a pain in the ass yeah, not to be no, alive. No, my, uh, I think, you know, uh, it's one of Leslie, my stepmother's favorite lines is something that my mom said 20 years ago, maybe even longer. She said, there's, no, there's absolutely nothing subtle about bad. <laughs> yeah. there's the, man, the man is not a subtle person. Um, I think there's always, it's a thing that has been like, uh, you know, as a kid and even still now, like a little eye rolling because, you know, I'm your son. But, uh, you know, I think there is something to be said, like in the notion of being able to manifest your own destiny to some degree. Like there is, you know, studies that like if you actively force yourself to smile, over time, it will like lead yes. to a spark of dopamine and happiness in yes. some capacity. It's not going to change yes. the world, but it will right. make things. Or if you know, if you're depressed, to get out and change your uh, uh, your setting, your circumstance, uh, sunlight, vitamin D, those kinds of things. But like yeah. you were the kind of person that like uh, Leslie always told a story like you know when you guys first started, I think living together, and she was in bed and you were in the shower and it's like, what the fuck? Who is he talking to? Because you used to you used to always give yourself pep I'd talks in the shower do. every day. I do, yeah. uh, which I'm is really, like yeah. a wonderful and crazy thing to do. It's like yeah. very lovely, but yeah. it's also like you do what? It's what like, starts you? Yeah, you know, when I was until I was forty years old, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you even remember this. I know, I know what you're gonna say. I used to, when the alarm went off, yeah. I would catapult myself out of the leg, you know, the feet end of the bed, mm-hmm. and then I heard that. A lot of people die early, early mornings because they do too much shit early. I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. But that was crazy. That was nuts. Well, I mean, I think I think it also shows like you're a very literal person. Like I'm gonna literally jumpstart my day. I do, and then I'm gonna go in the shower, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be my own uh, Mike Shashevsky. Yeah, and and the thing is, is that in sales and in life, if you're smiling your whole life, you're you can sell. If you're down and people don't want to talk to you and you don't believe you can do it, I mean, belief is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. If you believe you can sell, I, I, that's what I do all day. I sell. Even when I'm talking to someone that's not has anything to do with me selling my business, I sell. Yeah, that's what I do, and we everybody should. And the more the people, the more you smile, the longer you live. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fact too. People that are mopey and not not too upbeat, they die early. Do they deserve to? Probably. So you wake up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was always, and I thought that even before I even read that. Mm-hmm. But if you smile all day, it's hard to be bummed out and it's hard not to find a solution. Smiling and thinking you can get better makes you get better. Mm-hmm. And it comes up with solutions because you have to because you're an asshole if you don't think up if you don't think that way and then come up with any solutions then you're going to be grumpy well i do think that is again like manifesting your own destiny if you believe oh i can i can fix this Mm -hmm. if you have the confidence whether it's earned or not if you believe it you'll make some sort of move it might not be the right one or it might not be it might actually be a solution (laughs) but like you'll at least try as opposed to being paralyzed or like you know uh um being stagnant yeah yeah so i mean i think there is uh, definitely a lot of, and I had this back. I was I was a running back when I was in eighth grade, in ninth grade, mm-hmm. whatever, in tenth grade. And uh, a buddy of mine who was a negative guy mm-hmm. said to me, "Baz, you think that if you went out there and played against, and I was fourteen, if you went out and played against the Green Bay Packers, you would think that you could win?" 
And why walk onto the field thinking you can't? Mm-hmm. I never have walked onto any field thinking I couldn't win. Yeah. Now, sometimes I was full of shit, but I probably played better mm-hmm. even in losing than thinking, oh, God, these guys are bigger than me or they're faster than me or yeah. they're older or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I've often thought that, you know, because what you said that you were like the same size you are now when you were 12 years old, right? Right. So yes. I remember. That helped me, a bet. Oh, you know? for sure. Because I, I mean, there's like, you know, I remember the kids <laughs> who, who like hit puberty so much earlier and they were yeah. like so much better at sports. And invariably yeah. people catch up to them. Yes. But yes. they always have the confidence because yeah. they, when you, like, again, when you're being coded and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm so much better than everybody else, or I'm like, I can yeah. do all this right. because you actually have a, such a physical yeah. advantage. Right. Right. I think that like also leads into your psyche. Like, yes. I can do anything. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. When I yeah, when I was 12 years old, I was the best baseball player in Mars, mm-hmm. and I I Mars is the town you were. Yes, Mars. Yes. I, yeah, yeah, Mars, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And when I pitched, I wouldn't call myself a great pitcher. But in Little League, you have 18 guys, 18 outs, and I would strike out between 14 and 17 guys. Now, I'd walk 10 and hit three, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I could throw the ball hard, and people would jump out of the way. So I would win a lot more than I looked, even, and I was confident, mm-hmm. even though I, walked, I pitched a one-hitter one time and walked 10. <laughs> yeah. I struck out more than 10, but... That's pretty crazy to walk 10 people in six innings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but you're right. That, that was, uh, God gave me a little lift. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? I guess I never knew any better. <laughs> so it was a good thing. Well, I think, again, yeah. like the lack of subtlety and, uh, <laughs> and also perhaps self-awareness. But like, hey, man, you got through it and it served you well, exactly. by and large. Yes, yes. And what, I think that's the thing is that as you get older, like it's, there's uh, back to the Vince Carter, like there's certain things you just can't do anymore. Yeah, there's certain things right. that I can't do. Yes. And I think I, I'm seeing in myself. Um, so I imagine it's gotta be even the more, all the more, uh, um, pointed 30 years older of like the things that you can't do or the, right. the shift of like, well, I'm always thinking about what am I doing 10 years from now, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. And like that's, that also shifts a mind yeah. shift from like 20 years ago. Right. It, you know, and it's also experience mm-hmm. because when I was a kid and um, I was uh, 10 years old, I lost who was like, uh, was a cousin, but she was like a sister to me. Yeah. And she had leukemia and not, I was 10 and she was eight and she died, mm-hmm. Donna Marie. And then six months later, mom had a baby, Lori Kay who had cystic fibrosis and some other issues, and she only lived six months. And and mom and dad breaking up, all these experiences that I had, I had, I had no choice. So I think that, you know, when I was, like I said, I think in the first time we interviewed, I was pissed at God. You know, I'm 12 years old, I'm thinking, well, why would God let these two little babies die, you know? And, you know, I think I've, I understand that everything's up to us now. He gave us everything, and you have to go deal with it. Um, but um, and it, because of those experiences, then I understood death early right. was a part of life, and I understood that I had to pull up, you know, <laughs> my, wear the big boy pants mm-hmm. real early. And um, and that when you live through those experiences, it's not just always smiling and always being confident. 
but it's also the experiences you have, the underlying layers make it that way. I mean, yeah. you know, at 12 years old, I was running a business and waiting on customers and going on dry, dry cleaning routes and dealing with money and dealing with how to do things. And pff, how many 12-year-olds would even... And I never thought anything about it. I yeah. just did it. Yeah. So, you know, God gave me a lot of this stuff that... And so we can blame him. So. Sure, sure, of course. Well, I can't take all the blame. Yeah. Well, I do. I do wonder. Like, that's what you just talked about in very short order. That's uh, a lot of trauma um, at a young age. Yes. Yeah. You know, well, and right. And I, you know, the fact that getting back to what you said earlier, like you know, stopping me from crossing the street and that kind of shit, and I see like that, you know, you referred to yourself as Mister Mister Safety, and that was like yes. a, a kind of a a, a a dig of a nickname that you got from certain people, yes, you know, because right. right. you're always like, pay attention, pay yeah. attention. Yeah. But I wonder like how much of that was just came out of that period in your life where you just lost, right, so much, right, right, and like oh, yeah. how much does that translate to you just holding tight and like being nervous and worried like how, how much do you think you're talking about being programmed at a certain age like how much do you think of your uh the anxiety or the nervousness or even just the um uh the 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 uh, vigilance that you have was like programmed in that right. like, six month period sure yeah i had so many things thrown at me that i had to yeah and i thank god that i had that no, I don't thank God that they died. Yeah. But I mean, I thank God that I had the wherewithal to deal with things at a young age. And that's, you know, that's, I guess, what uh, I don't know if that's my DNA or if that's, uh, no, it's not. It's, well, maybe it's part of my DNA, but it, a lot of it has to do with, you, I had to <laughs> in the experiences. So, right. you know. Do you, you think you've ever really, like, reflected on all of that? Because I think that's a thing that I am um, in the last six months um, realizing how the level of like and I feel like this is a bit of an extreme word but the level of trauma that I kind of went through in a short oh period oh my god you went through yeah but heavy trauma sure but but I think I think um, I didn't fully there's a lot of that that I didn't fully like process because a lot of it's like once you get out of it you're like fuck it I don't want to look back on that that, was, that sucked right. but just move forward to better stuff yeah. Which I think is like, in a lot of way, like smile, fake it till you yeah. make it. Right. But then I think in moments of weakness, um, like any sort of loss in my life is like very triggering to the point where like, it's just very, uh, I have a hard time dealing with that. And I think a lot yeah. of that comes from um, just those periods where I didn't really reflect on that or really didn't process that properly. Um, you know, we are, you know, I'm Irish and Italian mm -hmm. and I always tell people I'm, I'm a great lover, and I can also drink. <laughs> yeah, you're also. We may have a lot of Italian blood, but it's like it's the it's everything that burns. Yeah. We both of us we can't handle sunlight. We're vampiric. <laughs> no, no, we, we, you may be Italian in last name, but we're Irish in skin pigment. But I, and but I don't know that all Italians think they're tough. But I think we have some tough dego in us because John Bazalone helped to save the country, yeah. and you went through so much shit. I mean, I don't know how many people could have lived through that. I mean, yeah, I it was necess necessary. Sure. I went through a lot of shit, not like you did, though. And I think but that's what I was talking about. Healthy. That's what I was talking about. Like, I think that I think most people will be surprised by what they can get through. Yes. Because once you're once you're in it, like that's why I said like everybody was always like, oh god, I don't know if I could do that. And it's like you could. 
Yeah. And you would if you had no choice. If you had no choice, right? right, right. You know, it's like the you know the the mothers who lift yeah. a car from because yes. their babies are right. There. Yes, it's not like they don't think about that shit. Oh, but you know, I um, I do crosswords puzzles. Mm-hmm. Humble brag. Uh, what's that? I said humble brag. <laughs> Ooh, Mister Crosswords here. Well, no. I can continue. And, and the thing is, is that I'll do one that has to do with. Shit, I don't know about. Mm-hmm. But I won't. I won't. Then I'll do it sometimes in the bathroom as well, you know, or my off time I'm watching TV and I'll do the cross. And there's things that I don't, I'll never know what the hell that answer is, but I'll be damned if I'm going to let that beat me. And I keep that son of a bitch of paper around mm-hmm. for like a month <laughs> before so I it throw it out or Leslie throws it out. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a, there's, you don't want to ever give up. I don't never give up. I don't mm-hmm. want to give up ever. And, you know, I'm going to die someday. But I don't want to give up. I mean, yeah. that's not me. So, I, you know, I mean, that's, and that's partly bold and stupid. Sure. <laughs> but, but I think it's, it's just gotten me this far. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's very admirable. Uh, and it's, and it is a point of pride and a point of strength. Um, yeah, it's hard to recognize, like, when we're, like, to admit that we're tired. Yes, yes. And you know what? When I was uh, playing softball and I was younger, you were probably, yeah, uh, maybe you weren't even born yet. I don't remember. Yeah, you were probably, yeah, you were born. But you were only a couple years old. So I was still playing softball until you became, and then I started coaching you at, like, five and a half, six. Then I quit playing ball. But we were down, I swear to God, this is a true story. Mm-hmm. We played nine innings. And we were down by 19 runs. Mm-hmm. And I was still yelling and cheering and egging people on and giving people shit. And one of the guys said, what, what are you doing? We're down by 19 runs. And there were two outs. Mm-hmm. We tied that fucking game. Mm-hmm. 19 runs in the ninth inning. Now... In the bottom of the ninth, our center fielder stepped on the ball, and we lost the damn yeah. game after coming back 19 runs in the ninth inning. But I don't, until that game's over, piss on it. I'm gone. You know, yeah. so I don't know. That's a, I'm sure that's, like I said, a big weakness, but it, it's, it's me, and it's maybe when I'm 90, I'll say, fuck it and give up on something, a yeah. crossword puzzle. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you know, there's a, uh, I, I think because, uh, you know, I'm your son, it was always like, no matter, if you go to see a, a baseball game or anything, even if you're losing, you stay till the end. Yes, yes. Um, and I think that is, I agree <coughs> with that by and large. Like, I hate when, like, you're at a game. But also, now I'm at a point where, like, oh, I don't fucking sit in traffic. So it's like, it's both ways. But there was a point where... Um, it depends on the game. Like, sometimes sure. you see the best play in a baseball game where a guy makes a sliding catch. Sure. At the end. In football, if they're down by 40, eh, yeah. I don't know, or basketball. No, but just like, yeah. I think that is like, there's like a, uh, it's a little bit of like, that's how you act. You started something, yes. you finish it. Right. Yes. Yes. But there's also like, uh, you know, our, <coughs> our, my, my friend, Eric, your, your buddy, Eric, at one point, I remember when we were like 25 or 26 or something, he just telling me like, yeah, I just realized that I'm an, I'm an adult. I don't like he, we went to see a show and like midway through, he's like, I'm going to go. And I was like. Oh, really? And he's like, yeah, this is terrible. I don't want to be here. And it's like this, this also this, this recognition. Oh, right. I have autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have to go and do shit anymore just because, like, it's the thing that you, right. you feel betrothed to do. Or because when you're a kid, you had to go to some, you know, uh, uh, field trip to see the opera and you didn't fucking care about it. Right. Yet, I, I don't, you know, a lot of people leave movies. Oh, I've, I, I've left two in my life. 
I never, I don't know if I've ever left the movie. I've left two. One, because I was young and was, uh, no, there's two. I left to see this movie up close and personal. We were in Florida, I think. And I was just like, this movie fucking sucks. And another like weird Spanish musical I went to see with my, you know, college girlfriend. And they were well, both, that, they were that both just might so be. bad. They were both <laughs> that so might bad. a weird, yeah, Spanish mm-hmm. musical. I don't know if I would stay for yeah. that either. But. Well, it was just, it was just bad. Um, okay, well... I think we've we've covered a lot of grounds here. Uh, yes. I, I would say, I usually, you know, I usually try to wrap these things up with uh, a moral. just word, not necessarily moral, just like you know your perspective and words of advice that you you can me mm-hmm, that you can bestow onto this uh, this this listening audience here, or at least me. Of what do you do to? Um, I think the overarching thing we're, we're been, we've kind of talked about is uh, paradigm shift, perspective, and uh, dealing with loss. And especially like this all started off talking about Joey B. So what is your advice for getting through, like soldiering through a uh, diff- difficult physical or emotional time? Um, I think the reason that you're in comedy mm-hmm. is Partly because of Rosie, she took us to movies all the time and mm-hmm. took you and I took you. Um, but I I think everything is funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even, you know, when I got defrauded, and, um, mm-hmm. I I had to look back and, and laugh at myself. And I can laugh at myself. You know, even though I do laugh and I'm bold and I'm not subtle, I laugh at myself and I know I have a lot of foibles. And mm-hmm. um, So I think... I do realize, although I don't show that I realize that I have a lot of weaknesses, mm-hmm. uh, I think that if you, if you can be self-deprecating, sure. you know, believe that you can win all the time, um, pay attention because it'll save your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you can laugh, and I laugh, I can laugh at everything, even though it's like, shit, I just screwed up my knee, you mm-hmm. ass, you know. Mm-hmm. I think if you can laugh at yourself and you can laugh at the world and soldier on because you believe. And I think love and laughter and the same the things that Joey B did all every day was, you know, he laughed, he cried, and he told everybody that he loved them, that he loved. And, you know, you don't, then you don't walk away with a lot of regrets. Yeah. I mean, I have some regrets in my life, but sure. not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But, um... If you can laugh at yourself and and <laughs> and look at everything and it's not rose-colored glasses because I know there's some shit out there I'm going to step in. But I, I told and I, I come up with these quotes that are sometimes good and sometimes really crazy. Mm-hmm. But somebody said to me one time uh, about you know their weakness. You know, well I'm worried about this and worried. I said, Jesus. I said if you don't have a horse or a dog, don't always look to step in shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> So I guess avoid stepping in shit by soldiering on and laughing about it. And if you step in shit, you laugh about it and clean it off. Yeah. <laughs> and believe that the next time you'll avoid the shit. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? I think so. Okay. Yeah. You just believe in yourself. Don't don't um, expect too much of other folks because sometimes they disappoint you. Mm-hmm. But if you believe in it and you can laugh at yourself and self-deprecation, uh, you can win. I mean, do I win every battle? No. 
Do I lose some? Yeah. Do I want to lose any? No. But you learn from the losses, so keep yeah. it going, man. You know, and <laughs> keep smiling. And uh, anything, you're a month and a half out after losing your old man. Any uh, uh, last final things, sentiments you'd like to express about uh, Joey B.? Yeah, he was uh, he was a great guy, and um, he everybody. It's like you know, I say every day, it's great to be young, alive, and good looking. Mm-hmm. And my phone number is three six nine, like the goose drank wine ninety five zero one. Everybody, it's a branding for me because sure. they remember I say that, and they think I'm pissed off if I don't say that, or there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Joey B had millions. To me, it's me. It's Joey B. Here's looking up your old address. If somebody goes to the bathroom, what do they say? I mentioned my name and get a hell of a seat. Yeah, and, and he had all of these things, and he would say all the time. And uh, you know, it's in it with me, there's some cornball, and there's cornball in Joey, but people loved him mm-hmm. because he was so sincere. And I think maybe that's part of um, what we're trying to say, too. You know, I love you, and I love you know, the people that I love, I tell them that, even people that aren't as you know, not my family, I tell them that. And, um, you know, some kids last night I said that to, you know, your friends. Um, so if you're sincere and you believe you're going to do it, you will do it. And Joey B was that. So, and everybody loved him. Yep. And he loved everybody, too. So Sincerity goes a long way. Right. Well, I love you, buddy. Yeah, I love you, too. I appreciate you're the best. it. Thank you. Thank you. That guy, right? To think, he made me. Uh, Thank you so much, Dad, for uh, sitting down and chatting with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, You know, it's... It's so easy to take for granted these people that have been so formative in your lives, uh, in your lives, in your lives. Um, you know, uh, you so often just talk about the things that are immediately in front of you, or uh, you chit chat about the weather, or the movies, or television, or whatever nonsense, and you don't actually uh, consider where the people who have made you, who have informed your life the most, what informed their lives. And it's uh, it's really, uh, I think, a gift that I get to, that I've gotten to sit down and do this with them twice, because it's taught me a lot about him and I really appreciate that and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because uh, I think it's cool anyways uh, thank you so much dad if you want to check out more about that guy he tweets like twice a year but check him out it's at L Bazalone that's at L B A S I L O N E and if you're in the Pittsburgh area or anywhere you know in that kind of uh, uh, northwest Pennsylvania Ohio West Virginia and you need a job check him out Bazalone executive search there you go, Pops. I plugged you real nice. Uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Uh, a couple other thank yous. Thank you to Kingdom Flying Club and Julia Pot for art and music. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes because I'm a dumb dumb and can't do any of it. And thank you, the biggest thank you, per huge, goes to you guys for just taking some time out of your day to spend with me and to listen to uh, my, my bullshit father and me who's also bullshit. Bullshit. I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a great week. I love you. <laughs>